Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Well, good morning again and happy Mother's Day yet again. My name is Pastor Ashley Wilkerson, and my husband and I get to be the lead pastors here at Church for All Nations. It is such an incredible Incredible honor. And you know, I was texting my mom earlier today. I got to tell you, friends, I just want to encourage you. If you're a mom or you want to be a mom or even if you just know a mom, here's what you need to remember to encourage them, not only today, but every single day. The Lord knew exactly who to give you to. And the Lord knew exactly what child to give you. I think about my amazing mom. I think she's watching right now. Mom, I love you so much. And I think about the incredible grace that she has, that she operates in all the time. I got to tell you, friends, she's a mom of four and her baby wasn't the easiest child. Hello, hello. She was outspoken. And she, even though she was born in this tiny town in the South, she always wanted to see the world. And she was always wearing all this flannel and Doc Martens and listening to all this grunge rock. And I can't imagine the grace that my precious mom needed from God. And mom, you are the exact mom that I needed. And so thank you. Thank you. I love you so very much. And I do. I pray to be more like you every single day. And I got to tell you, friends, those of you that haven't met my mom, she really is the most amazing mom. I'm not just generically saying that. She's the most amazing mom I know. I'm not even close to the mom that she is. Okay. I, I try. My mom, here, here's a great example. I, I was in, last night trying to think of the worst thing I've ever heard my mom say, okay? Now, I don't want my kids ever to answer that question. (laughs) But the worst thing I've ever heard my mom, you want to know what her worst slang phrase is when she gets the maddest, okay? Here, Here it is. You ready for it? John Brown. Who is John Brown? I I don't even, I don't understand. I I don't even know where that comes from. It's not even a a derivation of something. That is my mom in her, in her very close to perfection. She's not perfect, right? None of us are, but she's the closest I've ever seen, even in her John Brown moments, okay? But I got to tell you, I'm not there. And today I'm not preaching to perfect moms, And I'm also not preaching or teaching on how to be the perfect mom, okay? But I do want to talk about a story of a mom in Scripture. A mom that was far from perfect as well, just like me. And a mom that the Lord used. And as I was studying the last few weeks and reading this story of Naomi... The Lord kept imparting this wisdom to me that I know these principles that I know are for the church today. So whether you're a follower of Jesus or maybe even considering becoming a follower of Jesus, this message is for you. We're going to look at this story of this mom, Naomi. We're just going to look at the first part of the story found in the book of Ruth. And Ruth is one of two books in Scripture that's named after a woman. I I just want to encourage you today. 
There are lessons here that I believe the Lord has for equipping the church. And so we're going to start this morning in the book of Ruth, chapter 1, verse 1. Scripture says, In the days when judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. I want to stop right there. Because there's a principle there that we all need to understand. Even when you are a child of God, even when you are in the presence of God, in the land that God has blessed, there still comes famine sometimes. So friends, today, if you're in a place where you're having needs, or if you're in a place where you're walking through a difficult time, there's this tendency to think that God is punishing you or he's mad at you. No, 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 no. I want you to change your thinking about that. Because even when you are a child of God, you still walk through famine from time to time. But there are lessons to be learned in the famine. And in those hard times, we end up starting to realize what we truly believe more than any other time. And if you're taking notes this morning, I hope you are. Then our very first lesson that I believe is for the entire church, any follower of Jesus, to really stop and understand, to ponder this week, number one, is consider your believing. Consider your believing. Consider what you truly believe and what you're acting on. We're going to go back to scripture. Remember, we just read that there's a famine in the land. Ruth chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Again, we'll read that again. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. Underline that city name in that country, Moab, right? Underline that. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife's name is Naomi. Elimelech, his name literally means, my God is king. My God is king. That's what Elimelech's name means. But if we look here, we're seeing that when he encounters famine, my God is king is literally leaving Bethlehem, which means place of bread, because there is a famine in the house of bread. It's There's so much irony going on right here and right now. But not only does Elimelech leave the place of bread, the house of bread, Bethlehem, that's what that means. Not only is he leaving God's people and the land that he was placed in, he's leaving it for a city, a country called Moab. Now, it's important for you to understand the history of Moab. Moab was the name of one of the sons that Lot gave birth to through his daughter, through an ancestral relationship. Talk about a messed up family. Lot literally was basically drugged by his daughter and then had this child named Moab. And Moab was a bitter, the country of Moab, those people, they were the bitter enemies of Israel. In fact, 
This land had become the antithesis of everything that God was calling his people to. This land was full of sexual sin and idolatry, all sorts of grossness, to the point where God said in Deuteronomy 23, look with me, verse 3, God himself said, no Ammonite or Moabite or any of their descendants may enter into the assembly of the Lord, not even in the 10th generation. Wow. That's how bitter of an enemy the Moabites were to God and his people. And so we see here that Elimelech, my God is king. That's what his name meant. Elimelech has decided to leave the place of God and go into this city that was so debaucherous, that was running rampant with all kinds of crazy, heinous sin. Why? Because he looked at them and he thought, well, at least they have bread. How many of you have been in that place? That place where you know exactly where God has called you, but things start to go haywire and you start looking at other people and going, oh, well, maybe I should be doing what they're doing because this doesn't really seem to be working. I remember when Pastor JF and myself found out, when we first found out that we were pregnant with our baby girl, Izzy, who's now, gosh, she's going to be nine this year. I can't even believe it. But I remember when we found out we were having our daughter Israel. Now I have to set this story up for you because we had literally just sold everything to our name pretty much except for our books and our vehicles. And we had left Miami, Florida to move all the way across the country to Los Angeles, California. And we knew that we knew in our hearts that God had called us there. We had just been told we'd probably never be able to have children. And we thought, you know what? This is exactly the time to move in obedience to what God is telling us. We don't need to worry about being near family because how many of you know it's easier to raise kiddos most of the time when you're near your family. And so we, we left everything. We move across the country. Now, the week that we arrive, Okay, following what we truly believed was the voice of God. The week that we arrived, Pastor JF found out that there was a miscalculation from the seminary at Fuller and all of his financial aid that we'd been told we would get was now gone. Boosh, no financial aid. I was running a graphic design and marketing business and that very same day, I lost my largest client, our income gone. Poof. That evening, let's just say the stick turned blue. Poof. When I went to tell Pastor JF and he almost fainted, our brand new puppy spilled milk on the couch that we had used all our money to buy. Poof. How many of you know in that moment, we went, oh man, Lord, we have, uh, we missed you. We missed you, God. What, maybe we should, maybe we should just go home. Maybe we should go do something that all these other people around us are doing. And we started looking at people that maybe weren't even following 
the Lord and going, maybe, maybe we should be doing what they're doing because right now this doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel easy. And friends, in that moment, in that moment, the Lord spoke to our hearts and said, stop, realize, consider what you truly believe. Either you believe the voice of God, either you believe the word of God, or you don't. There are no half-truths, friends. And we had to make sure in that moment that our decisions followed our beliefs, not our beliefs trailing behind our decisions. And this is where Elimelech began to go wrong here. Back to the story. If you look in Ruth 1, picking up in verse 3, Elimelech has moved his family to Moab, this sinful place. And then we find out in verse three, now Elimelech, Naomi's husband has died and she was left with her two sons. And then the two sons married Moabite women. So these decisions are starting to affect his family instead of Elimelech's sons marrying God-fearing women. Now they've married Moabite women. So Naomi, she's in a foreign land and not only is everything bad, it's starting to get worse. Have you ever been there, friends? Look with me, verse four. It says, after they had lived there for about 10 years, both Malon and Kilion also died. And Naomi, underline her name, if you have your Bibles, Naomi was left without her two sons and without her husband. Now, why did I have you underline her name? Because in the original transcript of this passage, it doesn't actually have her name listed there. It actually says the woman was left without her two sons. Why does it say that? I believe that in that season, Naomi had gone through so much loss that she ended up, she was starting to lose her identity. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've walked through so much loss, so much pain that you start to question, man, I don't even know who I am. I don't even know what I'm about anymore. And this is exactly where Naomi was and it's so important, friends, if you are walking through a season like that, it's more important than ever for you to be a part of community, community that's going to speak into your life and remind you who you are and what God's called you to do. That's why we're so adamant about virtual small groups. That's why we're so adamant about getting together with people and praying, because in this moment, it's more important than ever, not only that you know what you believe, but that you don't lose your identity and who God has created you to be. In verse six, we continue with the story. Scripture says that when Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. And I want to stop there because I want you to think about this. So here they are in Moab, an entirely different country with people that don't even believe in the God of Israel. And even there, 
they are hearing about the faithfulness of God. They are far away from where God wants them, far away from where God has called them. And yet in that far off land, they are hearing of the faithfulness of God. Friends, as the church, as followers of Jesus, it is more important than ever that right now, instead of blasting social media with our complaints or our inconveniences, that we are proclaiming the faithfulness of God that we are remembering just how faithful he is and rejoice over everything that he's done for us and in us and through us. And in this difficult season, I believe that we as the church, if we begin to do that, then those people that have walked away from where God is, those people that are far off from him will hear of his faithfulness and his kindness and his faithfulness. Our reports of who he is will draw them back home. You know, scripture talks about us being witnesses. And I've talked to the women's Bible study about this over and over. It's so important that we are witnessing and not just preaching to or preaching down to. We have to witness. We have to tell people about our experiences with the Lord. And I believe that in this season, that is going to be how the Holy Spirit begins to draw people from those far off lands. Do your lives and your decisions truly reflect what you say you believe? Number two, the lesson that I believe the Lord has for the church in this story about this mom is consider your bringing. Consider your bringing. Now, I want you to picture with me. Here's Naomi with her two daughters-in-law. These are not her biological daughters. These are not daughters that were even born in the land where she was born. These are not daughters that were told at all that even believe in the God of Israel yet. And she's starting this trek back to Judah with these two girls. And I want you to look at scripture with me and see what happens. Ruth 1, starting in verse 7. Scripture says, With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living, Moab, and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, You know what? Just go back, each of you, to your mother's home. I'm going to stop there. Has anybody ever been in that road trip? You know what I'm talking about? Now, I'm talking to mamas for sure right now. I will turn this car around, right? You know, you know you've been there. I, I, I feel like I'm there every single week. Don't make me pull over. Don't make me pull over. This is exactly what Naomi's doing right now. She starts this trek with these two young girls that are her daughters-in-law, right? And in the middle of the trek, she goes, you know what? This ain't even worth it. Oh, my goodness. I ain't doing this. I am not taking you guys all the way back on this trek. Just go home. Go back to your mama. Go, go back to your mama. You are not taking this trip with me. I love that. I, I can see it in my mind's eye. Let's pick back up. Then she blesses them, right? She says, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. 
Now, I want you to, I'm serious right now. I want you to think about this in the context of the church. How many of us on a daily basis encounter people that want to experience God the way that we have? And they've attached themselves to us or maybe the Lord has brought them in our path. And because people are messy, instead of walking with them to take them to experience God in a real, actual relationship, what do we do? We go, "Mm, you know what? I'll just be praying for you, right? You know what, friend? Mm, I'm not. I'm not really gonna disciple you. I'm not really gonna walk with you on this, because that that takes a lot of time, energy, and effort. No, no. You know what? Just I'm gonna. I'm gonna be praying for you, and then we walk away. And this is exactly what Naomi's trying to do here. This is what so many of us do in our daily lives instead of doing exactly what Jesus told us in the Great Commission. Most of you know the Great Commission, but I want to read it again. It's found in Matthew 28. Starting in verse 18, this is Jesus talking. Jesus says to his disciples, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore... Meaning, now that I give my power to you, here's what I'm calling you to do. You go and you make disciples of all nations. You baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And you are to teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Oh, and and by the way, it ain't going to be easy. So I'm going to be with you. You don't, you don't have to stress about it. Walking with people isn't easy. People are messy. So I'm just promising you that I'm going to be with you. Friends, we are called to bring people to walk with them on this journey, even in their messiness. I was even thinking about, I had a rabbi tell me once, what is really, truly discipleship, man, we try to create it in, in just the form of a program, and programs are amazing, but true discipleship is walking with someone on a daily basis. It's being covered in the dust of the rabbi, meaning that you're walking so closely with who you want to be like that their dust is all over you. And I even remember the one rabbi telling me, Ashley, it's so intense, especially in the Jewish culture, that there's a prayer for everything, and you're to teach, you're Talmud, you're to teach your disciple, your student, even all of those prayers, down to the point where there's a prayer for when you go to the bathroom. So rabbis will take their students, not into the stall, but into the outer bathroom and teach them the prayer that they pray that thanks God for holes in our bodies that work, which doesn't seem like a big deal until one of them doesn't, right? Hello. It's walking. It's bringing people on this journey with us. And you won't be doing it alone, Jesus says. Back to the story, Ruth, in verse 9. It says that Naomi kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, we will go back with you to your people. What are they saying? We don't want to be in Moab. We've experienced what it's like to be around a godly woman. We want, we want what you have. 
Verse 11, but Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. You know, I found in my experience as a pastor that most people, if they are unwilling to truly disciple other people, it's not because they don't, they don't want to. So often it's because they don't have a proper understanding of what discipleship should be. In fact, they end up making it about themselves. The conversations that I've had with people is, man, I can't, I can't mentor somebody. I can't disciple somebody. I still have stuff that I'm working out. Friend, can I tell you that Pastor JF and myself still have stuff that we're working out? The Lord is still working in us and on us and through us. Thank God. And it's the same with you. Don't look at yourself and go, yeah, no, I can't, I can't walk some, I can't bring someone with me. I still got my own stuff. And look at this, because Naomi does the exact same thing. She starts listing all the reasons that she can't bring them along to the place of God. Verse 12, I'm too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it's far bitter, far more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. As the band comes back, I love that Naomi's just really open and honest with her. With both of those girls. Girls, I still got bitterness I'm working through. I lost my husband. I lost my boys. I still got stuff. I still got baggage. I don't know that I can bring you along with me. I don't have it all perfect. Friends, I want to tell you there are people in your life right now. Right now, if you are a follower of Jesus, there are people in your life that you are to be pouring into as you draw from the Father. As you have someone pouring into you, you are to be pouring into them. You are to be walking, arms linked, not because you have it all together, not because you are perfect but because we are on the journey and we're called, we're called to link arms. We're called to bring. You know, what's crazy is that I, even in prayer this week, I thought, Lord, why are people, why are people so hesitant to walk with people in this way? I don't get it, Lord. And in that moment, I felt the Holy Spirit tell me, They don't see my children the way that I do. And I had a flashback. I was thinking through all the parables that Jesus himself told when he was talking about the harvest of souls. He talked about the lost sheep and leaving the 99 to go after the one. He talked about the lost coin and literally turning an entire house upside down to find it because it was the most important thing. And he talked about a lost son. And I've told this story so many times before, but on this Mother's Day, it was brought to my memory again. A few years ago, my sister, my mom, 
myself had my two babies with us in Walmart. Remember shopping? Anyone remember that? Yeah, I missed that too. We were in Walmart and my sister had my daughter Israel with her and Fulton and I were going to look at something else and Fulton kept trying to pull away from me. He wanted to go to the toys. He wanted to go to the toys. No, baby, in just a second. Mommy needs to do this first and then we'll... And I go to reach for something and I look down and he's gone. He's gone. And in that moment, I've told it before, but I start yelling, Fulton, Fulton, where are you, buddy? Where are you? Where are you? And I'm yelling for not only my sister, but I'm yelling for little Izzy. Do you see Fulton? Do you see Fulton? And I'm yelling for attendance. My son, my son is lost. I need you to help me find him. Now in that moment, there's not one person that walked up to me that said, well, ma'am, you have another kid. What? Do you, do you really need that kid? You, I mean, you have this other child and she's beautiful. Why? You, you have one. You don't, do you really need to find that other one? No one would ever say that. And yet we as the church, we do that every day. Oh, you know, Church for All Nations, your auditorium, it's, it's full. Do you really need to? No, no, no. Friends, this is a child. This is a child of God that's lost. In that moment when I'm beckoning for Israel, help me find Fulton. Not one time did she walk up to me and go, Mom, you know what? I'd really kind of rather get an ice cream. Not one time. Why? Because she understood my heart. And her heart bled for her brother too. But the Holy Spirit this week really just broke my heart. Think about how many times the heart of God is going, hey, no, 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 I need you to bring them. I need for you to link arms with that child and bring them back to me. That is part of your calling, your mission here and now. And we go, Lord, I'd, I'd really just like an ice cream. Can I have more ice cream, God? Part of that bringing is understanding the heart of the Father and our mission. Friends, when we stand before Him in eternity, the only thing that we'll be able to bring with us into eternity with Him are the other souls of His children, the souls that He died for, the souls that his heart bleeds for. And in understanding how passionate he is about his children, that's our third point, and I'm going to close with this. Number three is consider your bloodline. Consider your believing. Consider your bringing and consider your bloodline. Well, Ashley, what in the world do you mean by that? I want you to stop and remember, friends, just how much God has done for you, where He brought you from, what you were, what you could have been, and where He's brought you into right now. Ruth 1 verse 14 says, At this they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth, Ruth clung to her. Verse 15, look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. 
you go back to her too, right? But Ruth replied, no, 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 don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. I have heard this read so many times at weddings and that's beautiful, but that's really not what's going on here, friends. What's going on here in this passage is this young girl, Ruth, born in Moab, has an encounter with God through a very imperfect mom. She encounters the love of God through a person who doesn't have it all together. And yet she says in that moment, no, no, I want, I want what you have. I, I want to be a part of what you're a part of. I want to experience the love of this God that through you, His love has already begun to touch my life. And what we see in that moment, I believe, is one of the most amazing, transformational, evangelical moments in all of Scripture. Because here you have this little Moabite girl who in that moment becomes a child of God. Well, well, wait, 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 Pastor Ashley, no, nah, no, nah, you're, stop right now, because how can that happen? We just read in Deuteronomy that no Moabite would ever be a part of the house of God. So how could that possibly happen in this week? I was chewing on that, asking the Holy Spirit, Lord, what, how? How could that happen in that moment? And the Holy Spirit, as clear as I've ever heard Him speak, said, Ashley, when you choose me, when you say yes to me, everything that was the former you is gone. Every part of your past, every part of where you came from is now enveloped in who I am. In that moment, all things are new. She was no longer a descendant of Moab. Right then and there, she became a child of God. His blood, His bloodline now flowing through her veins. How can you say that? Well, friends, we have proof. In that moment, I believe that the God of the universe looked down at that girl, Ruth, and said, oh, sweet child, you have no idea what I have planned for you. You have no idea. Now that you've said yes to me, you don't even realize that you're going to meet a man. I have a man for you. His name is Boaz, and he's a king. And girl, you're going to be set up. It's amazing. And not only will you meet Boaz and you'll marry him, you'll have a child, and his name will be Obed. And that child will have a child. His name is going to be Jesse. And Jesse will have a son who will become king. And his name is David. And oh, by the way, Ruth, because you said yes to me, I'm gonna send the Messiah through you. Whoa, whoa, wait, no, 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 Lord, I, I'm a Moabite. You said, no, you're not. You're a child of God now, girl. You're a child of God. Watch what I will do through you. And that's for somebody watching right now. 
You thought because of your past, you thought because of what you came from, that there's no way that God could use you. There's no way that God would want to. And you need to hear that the second that you say yes to him, his bloodline is what you're a part of. You are a child of the King and that past is gone and He has so much for you. Wherever you are right now, bow your head. The Holy Spirit is working on someone. There's someone in their car that He's wrecking. He's telling you, you see, I see you. You thought you were this Moabite that could never enter into what I have. And no, no, no. You say yes to me and you are my child from that point forward. Everything that I have for you, I want to desire to do in you, through you, the kingdom of God in and through you. Everything that he's desiring to do just by saying yes. If that's you right now. There doesn't have to be some great eloquent prayer. There doesn't have to be all these churchy words with thus saith the, no, 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 no. You just say, Lord, I want you. I want what you have for me. Where you go, I want to go. Lord, I want your presence more than anything else. I know that your love, Lord, your love is better than any other love. So God, I say yes to you. Take my past, take my future, take my present, take all of it, Lord. I want to live this life for you. And if that's you and you're saying that prayer right now, friends, I want to encourage you. Don't try to do this alone. There are people that want to walk this with you. And in a second, maybe you just want to text the word decision to 84576. Why would I do that? Because we want to connect you with those people that want to bring you further into this journey. Not into salvation. If you said yes to Jesus, you're saved now, friends. But into all the fullness that He's calling you to here and now. There's someone else I want to pray for. As I was studying, if you continue to read on in that story of Ruth, Naomi's working through so much bitterness that she actually ends up telling people not to even call her Naomi anymore. You see, the word Naomi means pleasantness or blessedness. So when she gets back to Judah, she actually tells them, no, 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 all her friends in Bethlehem, don't even call me Naomi anymore. You call me Mara. You call me bitter. And as I was reading through and studying that this week, I looked and Throughout the rest of that book of Ruth, no one calls her that. (laughs) They all call her by what God named her. And that's for someone right now. If you are walking through bitterness, if you are wrestling with bitterness, community right now is more important than ever. God wants to surround you with people that aren't going to call you what you've said to call you. They're going to call you what God has always called you. They're going to call you exactly what His Word says about you. And it's going to walk you into a greater place. Let me pray for you right now. Lord, there are people walking through bitterness, anger, resentment of hard times. Lord, I just pray right now, God, that you would minister to them 
by the power of your Holy Spirit to encounter your love in a new way. God, to truly do exactly what we sang earlier, to lean back into your loving arms, that your love is so much greater than anything else that we've ever experienced, God, and that you do have good things for us. It doesn't mean we won't walk through hard times. It doesn't mean we won't walk through pain. It doesn't mean we won't walk through uncertainty. But the Lord, that you never leave us and that you still call us blessed and that you still have great things for us and want to use us mightily for your kingdom. Lord, begin to do that work right now in the hearts of my friends. And Lord, those that are so hesitant to link arms and to walk this journey with other people, bringing them along into your presence, into experiencing who you truly are and what you have for them. Lord, help them to remember that it's not about them getting it perfect, that it's not about them not having things you're working on, but it's about them drawing from you and allowing you to minister through them to others. We thank you, God, that you use broken people like us. We're so grateful for your perfect love. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen. What a powerful word this morning. As you were preaching, Bayo, I was just thinking about uh, all of the different people throughout the Gospels where we see Jesus calling them out. Uh, he, he didn't use perfect people, that's for sure. In fact, in fact, I find it fascinating that he that he selects mostly broken people yeah. with a serious, uh, not only a past, but in the middle of their mess. And so I, I hope that encouraged you today uh, that he makes all things new and he doesn't want you to remain in the past. He says, move forward. I've forgotten all that stuff. You're healed and now go on a mission. And I love that you used Matthew 28 because that... That's what we've been called to do. So we've got some questions here that we want people to meditate on. We do, we do. So whether you're journaling or whether you're connecting with your virtual small group after, these are a few questions that you can discuss or just allow the Holy Spirit to really speak to your heart concerning. Number one, do your actions or decisions habitually contradict what you say you believe? If so, why do you think that is? Do you have accountability in your life to help resolve this? If not, what steps are you going to take to find that accountability? Number two, if you are a follower of Jesus, are you actively pouring into or discipling someone? Why or why not? I think it's important to really unpack why you wouldn't do that if you're not. If so, what are you doing to walk this spiritual journey with them consistently? What do you feel that the Lord is nudging you to add to this regimen with them? He's speaking, friends. Number three, do you believe that mentoring and discipling others is a part of being a follower of Jesus? Why or why not? What are the scariest parts of mentoring and how can you best prepare for them? I just, I'm so encouraged today that the Lord would decide to use a little Moabite girl as one of only five women listed in the actual lineage of Jesus. And friends, if he'll do that with her, what might he do if you were to say yes to him? That's right, that's right. Thanks again for joining us. 
To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church. 